Welcome to Shouts of Grace with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Today, Steve hands the microphone to Redemption Hill co-pastor Jason Benson. Pastor Jason takes us through Mark chapter 12, answering the questions, what is the greatest commandment and why is it so great? Grab your Bible if you're able to follow along. Today we are introduced to a scribe, and this scribe has been sitting among them. He's been observing the questions, and he's been hearing the responses by Jesus and how Jesus has been answering them well, and seeing that, he rose to ask one final question, and the question that he wanted to ask was, which commandment is the most important of all? So let's look at chapter 12. We're going to read verses 28 through 37. And one of the scribes came up and heard him disputing with one another, and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and that there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, how can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David. David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, Yahweh said to my Adonai, the sovereign one, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. Let's pray. God, we we pause now to acknowledge you and we ask you Heavenly Father to open up our ears to hear open up our eyes to see God open up our hearts to receive what you have for us from your word this morning I pray God that you would speak clearly to each and every one of us in this room you are more than able in Jesus name Amen Right. so we're going to do something this morning that really I I don't think I've ever approached a text this way, um, but we're going we're gonna to work backwards. We're going to go straight to the end, and then we're going to look to that to give us a little bit more clarity of what's happening throughout the story. And, and as we work backwards, I want us to try to answer three questions. Question number one, what was the scribe missing? Clearly, he was missing something. Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom. So what was he missing? Question number two, how can one come to truly love God? 
How can we come to truly love God? And question number three, why did Jesus respond to the scribe's question for the greatest commandment by giving him two commandments? Okay, so let's dive in. Let's go to the end. Let's go to verse 34. What was the scribe missing? God, Jesus said, you are not far from the kingdom. Now, now, first of all, I want you to know that this would have been a very shocking statement for the scribe to hear. Let's lay it out a little bit so you get a better picture of the different groups. You have the Pharisees that were there. They had already come and questioned Jesus. The Sadducees came next. The Pharisees were the religious sect. They believed in the whole Old Testament. They believed in the book of the law, the Torah. They also believed in all of the prophets. They believed in the resurrection. They believed in angels and demons. Uh, they were the, the, the zealous religious sect. They loved religion so much that they just kept adding laws. So now we have 613 laws. So they debated a lot over, you know, what's the greatest law. Then you have the Sadducees. The Sadducees, they only held to the, the Pentateuch, the Torah, the, the, first, the book of the law, the first five books of the Bible. They didn't believe in the prophets. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels and demons. They didn't believe in the afterlife. What they were concerned with is the here and the now. So they learned the law, they knew the law, but they wanted this law to give them structure for how they could live their lives. Now, a scribe was slightly different in that a scribe, I think a good way of describing a scribe in the day would be to say that that is the, the, that is the theologian of the group. That's the, the most learned, the most studied, the one that you would go to for the difficult questions. And it's interesting that it's the scribe that comes to Jesus and says, what's the greatest commandment? You should love God with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength. You are right, teacher. You should love your neighbor as yourself, and that is better than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. You are right. He agreed with everything that Jesus just said. And yet Jesus responded to him, you are not far from the kingdom. So clearly something is missing that the scribe didn't see. Thankfully, Jesus gives us a light in to see what is missing in the very next verses in verse 35. Verse 35 through 37 again. And Jesus taught in the temple. He said, how can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, David's Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus said, David himself calls him Lord, so how can he be his son? You see, Jesus goes to the most referenced Old Testament passage in the New Testament. Psalm 110 verse one is the most referenced. It's referenced in the New Testament 33 times. And this passage is showing that the Messiah is more than a son of David. See, for, for Jewish culture, they, if you were a son, you were never greater than your father. And so when they saw the Messiah as the son of David, they saw the Messiah lesser than David. What they were looking for in a Messiah was someone to come and set them free from their oppressors. However, what they didn't see is that the Messiah also was the Lord of David, 
the Messiah was Adonai, the, the supreme one. They didn't see that the Messiah wasn't coming to just save them from Rome. The Messiah was coming to save them from themselves and from their own dark hearts. And so simply put, what the scribe is missing here that Jesus says is you, you, you have an understanding of the law. You know the law well. You agree that this is the greatest commandment. But what you're missing is you don't see me. He didn't see Jesus. And in John 17, verses 3, and Jesus said, And this is eternal life, that they know you. You're getting closer, but you're not in the kingdom yet. And so what was he missing? He was missing seeing the Son, right? So what is the second question that we're looking at? How can one come to truly love God? How can you come to love God? Look at verse 29. We're going to go back to the great commandment here. Um, and, and Jesus is pulling this commandment from Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is called the Shema. This is in Jewish culture. They say this every morning. They say this every evening. It's a part of their life that the Lord is one. That the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. So Jesus, Jesus gives that. He says, and to love the Lord with all the heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. Okay, so, so you, you see a lot of people oftentimes trying to parse these out. Okay, so what does it mean to love God with all of my heart? And then what does it mean to love him with all of my soul? And what does it mean to love him with all of my mind? And what does it mean to love him with all of my strength? And I'm not saying that's, that's not a bad thing. We can, we can ponder those thoughts. But I, but I think the picture here is the totality of the being. It's not four different types of love, but rather it's a complete love that encompasses your whole being. For, for the Hebrew, the heart was the very core of their being, the center of their being, right? The core of who they were. Um, and, and Jesus is saying, love him with all of your heart and let it come out to encompass your whole being. Love him with everything you have, right? That's, that's what it means. Love him with your whole being. The scribe, the scribe agreed with that. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, as it goes on, it tells them to teach it to your children. Teach this commandment uh, to your children. Talk about it when you sit. Talk about it when you walk. Talk about it when you lie down. Put it on the doorpost of your house that you remember it. Have this always in front of you that the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And there is no other. Right? And to love him. But the question that we have is, how do we go beyond what the scribe already knew and did? He said, yes, we're supposed to love God. And for him, loving him was, was keeping his laws and doing all of these things and making sure that, that he studied and read and memorized and was able to instruct other people. He, he was, this was his life. How do we go beyond what the scribe already knew and what he already did? Can you teach love from the heart? That's the question. Can you teach love from the heart? The command is to love, but how do you do it? I'm reminded of Luke chapter 7 when, when Jesus was invited into a Pharisee's house. The Pharisee invited him over to have dinner, and as Jesus was reclining at table, so here's the picture. You know, you've got this small, small table, and, and, and they would lay down on their side and kind of prop up against it and eat while, while their feet were 
out away from the table. So this is the picture. He's, he's reclined at table and a woman from the city, a woman from the city, that, that, that means life was, was tough and that was, that was rough for her. This, this was a woman who experienced life. Um, and, and so she came in and she was weeping at his feet, crying over his feet, her tears dropping on his feet. And she's taking her hair and she's drying his feet. And she brought an alabaster flask of ointment and she poured ointment on his feet. And she stayed at his feet crying. And the, the Pharisee responds to Jesus and he says, if you knew who she was, meaning you would not allow her to get near you. You would not allow her to touch you. You would not allow her to be in your presence. She's unholy. She's unclean. She's tarnished. And she's weeping at his feet. And Jesus goes on after giving a short little parable. He, 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 he says, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little, right? Okay, so, so how, do we, how do we work this out in terms of, of, of how to love? Love compels us to come to Jesus. So, so we do this by acknowledging that Jesus is a Savior whose arms are already open. Okay? When you come to Jesus, right, when you come to Jesus, I want you to understand something. God loved you before you ever loved him. God pursued you before you ever even thought of pursuing him, right? He, he pursued you. He loved you. In Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 7, this is the chapter after when he gave the Shema, the command to love me with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? It'd be one thing for me to come up to you and like command you to love me that way. Obviously, no one would because I'm not worthy of that. But God commanded that. So the question we ask is, how does that make you feel when you hear that God commands, you love me with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? I'm, I'm sure some would, would possibly, that don't know God, would say, well, that sounds like a very selfish thing to say. I'm sure some people would, would go there. But, but is it, though? When, when God tells us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, you see, God created us. God created us, and he knows what we need. And in the next chapter, after he gave that command, he tells them in, in verses 6 through 9, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you are the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and redeemed you from the house of slavery. You see, before he had ever commanded them to love him with all of their hearts, God had already rescued them from Egypt, from slavery. He provided for them food every single day. Their shoes didn't wear out, and the people grumbled and kept turning because our hearts are always far from God. But God's love was on them before they ever loved him. 
So when you come, you come to a Savior whose arms are open wide. We see this in Matthew 11, chapter 28. I mean, chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. John three sixteen, the verse that we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We come to a God that is saying, come. I'm already thinking of you. Come to me. Secondly, how do we come? You come lowly. Right? You, come, you come in humility. This is what the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't have. They thought too much of themselves. And so if you come to God, you come lowly. The very first opening statement in this greatest sermon that has ever preached was Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And it begins like this in Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Isaiah 57, verse 15, God says, I dwell in, a, in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite, the humble and the broken, right? He's coming for the person who, who, who reaches out to him in humility, showing sorrow and remorse, and God resides, he dwells, there. And lastly, lastly, when you come to God, you, you come to God ready to follow at all costs. So you come to a God who's waiting for you, you come lowly, and you come ready to follow him at all costs. Sometimes following Jesus, it'll cost you everything, including your life. We don't experience that here in the West, like hardly at all. But around the world, it happens. And the call to follow is the call to follow no matter where he leads you and what he has for you. Because I'm telling you, church, the reward is greater. Don't forget Jesus. Don't forget Jesus. We learn in Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He went to the cross despising the shame. He did this for the joy because he knew that he would be able to be with you and me forever. And that was joyous. So, so it does, there is a cost to following Jesus, you see. Now, the third, third question we want to get to is why did Jesus respond to the scribe? The scribe asked for one question. He, he just said, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responds to him, by giving him two commandments. He takes the Shema from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, and then he adds to that, he takes Leviticus 19, and he brings that over where it says to love your neighbor as yourself, and then Jesus says, upon these two, there is no other greater commandments than these, right? So why did, why did Jesus bring Leviticus 19 well, he did it because you can't truly have the first without the second. You can't love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, the complete, your complete being, and not love people. John chapter 13, um, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says, a, a new commandment I give you, 
that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. The call this morning, church, is is to love God because upon these two commandments, literally every other commandment in Scripture hangs. It hangs on either loving God or loving people. Church, there's only two types of people in the world. Now, there's lots of cultures, there's lots of people groups, there's lots of languages, there's lots of likes and dislikes, right? But when you boil it down to what really matters in the end, there are literally only two types of people in this world. Those who see and those who do not. Those who see Jesus as their greatest treasure and they come to a savior with his arms open wide and they come lowly saying, God, I don't have anything to bring you, but please help me, forgive me, accept me. All I have is my praise to that person kingdom of God. I want to end with Jesus's, um, Jesus talking about the final, the final judgment in Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus spells it out crystal clear. The decision is before us, church. The decision is right here in front of us. It's either seeing Jesus or not. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all of the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you you who are blessed by my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. 
And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace with Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If you've been encouraged in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah, and we invite you to attend our Sunday morning gatherings. For location, sermon times, and contact information, check us out at rhutah.church. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us here at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Shouts of Grace is a production of Key Radio. Shouts of Grace.